Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 127 with Lyme expert, Katina Macris. Also with me in the studio is our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn what Katina has been up to and what she's doing to stay healthy, the transformation that happens when you overcome Lyme disease, the challenges that Katina has faced in finding the best dietary options for her health, and a final reminder that reclaiming your health from Lyme disease is complex and multifaceted. Boy, you can say that again. (laughs) Don't say it. No. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Thanks, Aurora. And I'd also invite you, if you like what we're doing here with Lime Ninja Radio and are looking for a way to support us, we would greatly welcome that. We've made that really easy to do. There's a subscribe button on the homepage, LimeNinjaRadio.com. Just scroll down a little bit there past the featured episode with Bob Miller, and you will see a subscribe button. And there are four levels to make it easy for anybody, really. $4 is the basic level, $4 a month, $8 and $12. If you're able to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. That's the ninja level, the sensei level, and the daimyo level. Thank you, Lillian. For subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. Yes, Lillian, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Yes. Every little bit adds up. We're looking for about a level of $300 a month, and after that we'll we'll back off the subscription levels, and that really covers our cost uh, every month in getting out Lime Ninja Radio to you. So we're not there yet, but we're starting to make headway, and we appreciate appreciate every dollar. So thank you very, very much. All right, Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Katina Macris. Katina is a graduate of Duke University and the Still Point School of Integrative Life Healing. After five years of misdiagnosis and five more years of treatments, Katina has overcome chronic Lyme disease. She's on a nationwide Lyme awareness campaign with her recovery memoir and guide, Out of the Woods, Healing Lyme Disease, Body, Mind, and Spirit, an award finalist for 2011 Best Book in Health with USA Book News. She's currently a board member of BTIC Ready, a Lyme education group, and also works as a spiritual healer and Lyme disease counselor. Thank you, Aurora. Here is our interview with a Lyme expert, Katina Macris. Hi, Katina. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi there. How are you today, McKay? Thanks for joining us. You, My pleasure. You I'm know, really you were the in- inspiration for me starting this up. Oh, that's so great to hear that I inspired you to start the the radio program. That's wonderful. It's great to have 
a dialogue going for people. It it really is. So thank you very much. It's it's always exciting for me to to talk to you and to hear your voice because like oh everybody knows Katina. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? It always blows me away. Thank you for saying that. That's so uh, generous of you. It always surprises me when people say, oh, yeah, you don't know Katina. Or, you know Katina. Oh, you met her? Like, and I'm like, <laughs> holy cow, me, the homeopath that came out of a small town in New England. Um, and, man, I managed to make it around the world now, huh? Well, you have. And that's one of the things I want to talk about is you just had your newest book, the one about Lyme and autoimmune disease, published in or translated into German. Yes, I'm so excited about that. How did that this. happen? Yeah, so um so you know every not everyone, but people are familiar with my first book Out of the Woods, Healing Lyme Disease Body, Mind and Spirit, and uh when that went into Audible, which is great, so people that are cognitively impaired can listen to it on Audible from Amazon and they also signed uh, uh, international distribution rights on it, which I was thrilled over. The publisher said to me, what else are you working on? And I said, well, I'm working on a recovery guide for Lyme and autoimmune illnesses. And, and within two hours, McKay, they had signed me to write that book to a deadline. I think you remember, I worked like a bandit on yeah, that. You uh, burnt that's the midnight a, oil. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of incredible, um, medical, um, and, but, but I wrote it in a, in a layman's language. A lot of medical recovery tools in that book and guide, guidance on how to recover from these diseases and not, you know, be floundering. And so, um, I had my publisher, I said, listen, I, I really would like it over in Europe. You know, there's countries over there struggling. And sure enough, Germany has 800,000 new Lyme cases annually. Really? Yep. And apparently Poland's in very bad shape too. Let me check that. So, um, so what's happened is that, uh, Crotana Verlag is the name of the publisher that purchased the foreign translation rights. And now it's in German. And I'm so excited. It was published on the 21st of December, and I just got my first emails from Germany from people that are reading it, and a wonderful review by a man named Yui uh, Elbert, who's apparently one of the big energy medicine and holistic doctors in Europe, and he gave it like three thumbs up and like all these star reviews, so I'm psyched. That's so exciting. I'm really thrilled. I mean, I, I am just, I feel like, wow, we can bring all this, you know, tools. I have 35 years of, of uh, integrative medicine, natural medicine to, um, help people in different parts of the world. So anyway, fills my heart. That's fantastic. And you're one of those very interesting people who where there are a lot of intersections. So you're an author. You're mm-hmm. also somebody who's recovered from Lyme disease and you're a natural health practitioner. And and former radio host. <laughs> yeah. So you've got all these intersections coming together, which is fantastic. So you bring a unique perspective. And why don't we discuss – you've been doing very well now for a long time. It's like you, yes. you've come out of the woods to steal totally. somebody's phrase, right? So right. What are you doing to stay out of the woods? Yes, yes. Well, that's really great um, because people would will find this valuable. Um, You know, well, I very much believe uh, when people hear me speak, you know, I teach at workshops or if if you hear me at a conference or at an interview somewhere, I very much believe in 
the whole mind, body, and spirit within the human being that need to be nourished and fed at all those levels. So, you know, during my recovery, which I shared in both of the books, we talked a lot about, you know, detoxifying the big organs of the body, the liver, the kidney, the spleen, which, and also the lymphatic system. And, and, you know, also the organisms that they, as they died off, all the endotoxins, that whole detoxification protocol is essential. And, and, you know, a big part of, besides killing off the organisms, I think more than 50% of the battle is, is rebuilding the damages and depletions that the organisms and the infection induce, because it's in your body, you know, for months and years, and it's gobbling up fatty acids and damaging the mitochondria and, the synovial lining and membrane sheaths and all these things. So rebuilding those damages with, you know, high grade nutraceuticals, which are, you know, uh, high quality vitamins, minerals, and herbals. And of course, dietary changes are, were very intrinsic as long, as well as me developing a very strong inner life, the spiritual life, because here in our Western culture, we move so quickly and we multitask and, you know, households now, both parents have to work and the demands on us are enormous. And so what I have learned, you know, through the illness, McKay, and then what I really do to maintain my health and well-being is I make sure these pieces are still in place. Like every month I go through like a five-day little mini detox where I take my homeopathic um liver, kidney, and spleen liquids to make sure my organs are flushing and cleansing well. And then I I take some good supplements that are not, you know, um, for therapeutics, but just for health maintenance. Like examples are like CoQ10, you know, which is good for the heart and the cardiovascular system. And I take the antioxidants, you know, the, the, the C, the D, the E, you know, those vitamins. And I, um, I had trouble with a virus. I don't know if you remember, I had a really big struggle with Epstein-Barr virus. So I take a supplement called monolaurin from Ecological Formulas, which is uh, made from uh, coconut oil yep. derivative of yep. uh, lauric acid. Great stuff. Great, great. And it kills more than Epstein-Barr. It'll kill candida and it'll kill any of these other retroviruses in your system. Like if you have had herpes or shingles or chicken pox. So, you know, so those are some of my maintenance, uh, supplements. Oh, I also take an adrenal support because, you know, I travel a lot and, um, you know, sometimes my hours are irregular and the adrenal glands are so, um, so important in maintaining uh, the endocrine system to run properly and also to keep inflammation at bay. So, you know, those are kind of my supplements I take. And then, as I said, I do my little, you know, like, like, you know, five days a, a month, my little homeopathic detox. And then I'm a very firm believer in exercise. Uh, what, for, what kind of exercise? Well, I like a, an aerobic exercise personally. Um, so I swim, believe it or not, in okay. the summer, I swim a mile every day in open water. Ah. Yep. And in the winter, I go to the pool, which is not my favorite because of the chlorine, but now, I get three... Three to four days, three to four days a week of a mile swim. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And 
I I had an interview. So this is kind of back to the earthing thing and grounding. I, have, mm. I interviewed a young woman in North Carolina, and her name escapes me right now. She, one of the things she says is, when I go to my secret swimming hole, she was kind of in the hills, in mm. the mountains, mm. she said, whenever I have a day when I can get up there, I feel so much better after being in that open water. Totally. Because, you know, I live in a section in New Hampshire that is is beautiful because it's hill country and it's loaded with streams and these beautiful ponds and lakes. And I agree with her. All those elements, the the water, you know, the sky, the wind, the the, the beautiful rich colors, the hilltops. I, I really feel like they nourish your spirit, at least in my case it does. And it also helps me be with nature, McKay, without being afraid to be on a hiking trail or in the woods again mm-hmm. because a lot of Lyme patients and or survivors, I mean, I, I, I too, I'm very, very, um, you know, gun shy about getting back out there in areas that ticks could be looming. So the swimming at the pond or the lake works for me because I'm not exposed. And so anyway, I'm a, as I said, it's the staying healthy. And I think the other, you know, two pieces to add to the equation are, as I said, the inner life. I, I make sure I have my meditation every day, um, even if it's 15 minutes and I spend a little time journaling or, you know, anything to express some, you know, feelings, whatnot, whatever is, you know, percolating. What you kind know? of journaling? Uh, sorry, not journaling, yeah, okay. meditation. What kind of meditation do you do? Anything the specific? The, the simplest of the simplest. I, um, <laughs> I learned this like 30 some odd years ago when I was in college. I had good fortune just closing your eyes, but not all the way, just, you know, open a tiniest little bit with your eyes cast down. So maybe you're, you know, looking if I'm, if I'm sitting in a chair or kneeling on the floor, I'm just gazing, you know, just at the ground in front of me, just so slightly, not really just through your eyelashes. And then I just follow my breath slowly with my mind's eye, each breath all the way down through my chest, through my heart, down into my belly. And then I exhale and I follow it up with my mind's eye and I just stay with that rhythm. And if I have a, a scattered mind that day, you know, mm-hmm. I then I'll take a chant like an Om or a Shiva Shante or, you know what I mean? I'll just, I'll just chant a little something to keep my mind on those words and on my breath. And I just stay with it. Now, every once in a while, I have to say, if I'm, really um, needing to manifest something in my life, like whatever. I was looking for a new dwelling place or a new office assistant (laughs) or I fell and hurt my rotator cuff or, you know what I mean, these kinds of things. I will then use a visualization sometimes with my meditation and not the whole time, but you know, I'll do my breathing and quieting Mm -hmm. and centering, but then I'll take a few minutes at the end to, in my mind's eye, visualize, uh, the dwelling that I want, you know, I see it, you know, I, in my mind's eye, I see, Oh, the two bedrooms, the sunshine, the, you know, the, the, the place to park my car, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll draw it to me that way. Or when I hurt the rotator cuff, I saw me swimming again, backstroke with my arm, like fully, you know, fully moving. So I think these are important pieces. And, and, you know, I'm an extrovert, as we all know. 
So um, getting out and having fun is important for me too. So I think it all adds up. It all adds up. The physical care, the detox and cleansing, the aerobic exercise. I do my yoga stretches too. And then the inner life, the tending to the spirit, I think is so essential in our modern era. And Lyme taught me that deeply. And then, you know, my nature is I love to have fun. So I make sure I get out with my friends and we go do dancing or just fun or someone's house for dinner or, but if you're an introvert, you might want more quiet time, you know? Yeah. I sit behind a microphone. (laughs) Yeah. Does that soothe you? Um, I do like the individual relationship being out in crowds takes energy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, that's, that's one of the heralding uh, differentiations between extrovert, introvert, Introverts refuel, as you said, away from people. They refuel with their quiet time and or, or a little one-on-one while an extrovert gets fed by yeah. a crowd, right? I don't know how Lyme extroverts do it when they're just trapped oh. inside. It must just be torture. It was torture for me. It was so decimating. I was so lonely and so, oh, so... Uh, questioning so much, like, who am I? Why am I here? Why am I going through this? This is a torture test. You know, you, it was very, very difficult. But, you know, you've heard me say this before. Lyme disease is one of the sternest, most, you know, extreme taskmasters th- that you could experience. But it, it if you don't fight this, uh, you know, initially you fight it, right? Mm-hmm. You're fearful, you're angry, you're, you know, you're despairing, you're depressed. I mean, we have to go through all of those emotions. But when you finally get to that place of saying, okay, I I got this. I've got to live with it for a while. I'm not going to live in this forever. I'm going to recover. I'm going to have a healthy future. I probably am going to be born as a little bit of a different person than what I was before. But there's many parts of me that are going to be back again. And then there's going to be new parts of me. And I think when you can get to that place, which is, was a really big place for me when I was so sick, as you said, and isolated. And I realized, well, just, this is like an ashram. Like you're in your own ashram and your own house. Like people pay to go to ashrams. So just, Just, you know, don't fight it. Do it, you know, listen to music, look at, you know, beautiful photos, uh, watch movies that have an inspirational tone to them, not violence. Um, You know, don't fight it. Go with this because there's there's a lot to learn. Do you feel like you've got your life back? Totally. <laughs> like rocking. It's better than it was. I think that's important for some people to hear because in the middle of this, that's one of the concerns that I hear over and over again. It's expressed slightly differently, but it's basically good. You know, I really want my life back. Yeah. You know, that's a really important point. Okay. And that's what we should probably really highlight is. Lyme disease is it's like shedding a snake skin. It's a journey of personal transformation. You can reclaim parts of yourself. Like I had, I wanted to reclaim the athlete, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause I was always athletic. I, and I reclaimed the athlete, but you know what? Um, I also discovered that 
that I had to let go of the old me. I had to let go of the type A, the one that was like, you know, juggling six things at once that, you know, that old me that I thought was, you know, so capable and so high achieving. I mean, I still am a high achiever, but it, it, the old you is, is the disease is asking you to change and it's asking you to let go. And this, this is a really big part of the journey, in my opinion, is letting go of these so-called American, uh, emblems of either success or, um, I don't know, talismans of, of, you know, what we're supposed to be doing or being or achieving or status or, you know, these pieces, it's, that was a real, that's a real big piece of this because what comes out usually is a creative discovery. Like, look at you, you birthed the radio show. Exactly. How about that? Right. I learned to paint. I wrote two (laughs) books. Now, I've, um, you know, got all these workshop series going. I never dreamed I would be doing that. It's so, yeah, you can't, it's, it's, you have to actually let go of pieces of the old you. And when I teach some of my recovery workshops, we really go through experiential exercises about that. I guide people in with meditations and we, we, we find out what are some of the, you know, pieces that we value and want to maintain and nurture and rebirth. And then what are some of the pieces that we actually have discovered are hampering us or burdening us or putting us in a pigeonhole. It's pretty interesting. So why do you think we hold on to those things as human beings? Yeah, a couple of things. I think part of it's conditioning. Um, I think some of it's conditioning. It'll like a buyer from our parents, you know, like values that we've been taught. And some of them are great values, right? But also um, our society has changed a lot over the past 50 years. Like there was this like so-called sweet spot, like after World War II, like in the 50s, in the beginning of the 60s, where uh, you could basically, you know, put your sights on something and go for it and achieve it. And it could be a small business owner or working for a corporation and having a lifetime of employment with them with security and, you know, pensions and all these kinds of things. Um, and then a lot started changing, like in our economy and, and the way our cultures sort of manifested that it's very consumer oriented and, and mass marketing and, you know, the whole food industry became like packaged foods and mass farming. So we lost the little local farms with the local dairy and the local chicken and the local produce, right? So all of this mass production and, and mass um, consumption, I think, has changed us as human beings so that we're not as attuned to the individual that we are and, and interrelated to our community members in the same way. A lot of us don't even know our neighbors, you know, and I don't think it's the healthiest thing. So how do you counteract that? What kind of diet do you, like, how do you get back to a healthy diet? What are you eating these days? Are you following any 
particular protocol or is it the Katina macro special? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, you know, um, well, first of all, I have to say I was fortunate back in my early twenties. I realized that chemicals were not uh, supposed to be inside the human body. And so I started eating organic food like 30 some odd years ago before it was hip. You and hippie, you. I know. I was a total hippie, made my own bread. And that was one of the reasons I left Long Island and I moved to New Hampshire because I knew I could have access to, you know, more land. I could have a big organic garden. I could have my free range chickens. And, you know, that enabled me to have more control over some of my food, found a local farmer with local lamb and beef. And I don't eat beef anymore. So I kind of have a modified paleo diet, I would tell you. I eat a lot of lean protein and a lot of uh, local vegetables that are in season and um, don't eat a ton of fruit, believe it or not. I eat if I do, it's berries and it's apples. And again, I try to eat local because I don't want things that are sprayed. And I don't eat the um, the sweet fruits, you know, the bananas and um, mangoes, even though they're delicious, unless I happen to be visiting an area that they're indigenous to. Because so I don't want them shipped into me from Chile or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Picked before they're ripe, they're sprayed. So I try to keep my my chemical load very low with my food. And as I say, to eat a lot of lean fish or chicken um, and a lot of veggies and low carbs. So if I have carbs, it's more like a sweet potato or maybe some quinoa um, and, and that sort. And I keep also the good fats going, the avocados and olive oil and, so that's not hard, you know, it's not a hard diet. And I mean, I don't know, I started cooking when I was seven. My family is Mediterranean. So maybe it was in the gene pool, to, the kids to learn to cook young, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mind cooking. I throw olives in there and capers and things to, you know, give it some flavor. And um, so I think that's really important is, and oh, forget sugar. That's not even in my house. I, I don't even have it in my house and um, I try not to eat processed, you know, occasionally I'll have like some kind of crackers or something, you know, if I'm having hummus or whatnot, you know, but I really try to avoid uh, processed foods. And as I said, absolutely no sugar and I can't eat dairy. I never have lactose intolerant. And again, Greek genetics, there's really no cows. Like when you think of your genetics, uh, there was a great book I read years ago, One Answer to Cancer. Yeah. It was a brilliant doctor. He, he, he studied different metabolic types mm-hmm. and he pinpointed 13 common metabolic types. It had to do with your genetics and your ancestry. And, um, according to, he had this huge questionnaire. It was like 14 pages. Like Northern Europeans, you know, if you come from, you know, Northern Germany or Scandinavia, yeah, exactly. Russia, though that that po- sector of the population can absorb fats better from like dairy and cheeses and uh, like uh, cold water fish. They'll get their vitamin D from cold water fish and smoked salmon and herring, etc. 
but I'm just using this as an example. Right, right. Likewise, someone like myself from the Mediterranean background, you know, it was it was more fish and legumes, and their cheese was a goat cheese or a, or a sheep cheese. So, right. like, you know, that's my genetics. I absorb my vitamin D from the sun better. And uh, and not you know so I think that's pretty interesting you know when it, when you look into that it, it absolutely is and it's one of my little soapboxes that I get on with my patients because th- it used to be not only did you have genetics but your genetics were fairly stable you know every once in a while the Huns would come through and mix mm. the genes up but you and your grandparents and your great 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 grandparents and your great 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 parents shared the same genes, shared the same environment, shared mm-hmm. the same foods. So people over the years, hundreds of years, figured it out. Yeah. What worked and what doesn't. But then now we're just a big toss salad. It's like the Germans marrying the Italians and the Italians are marrying the right. Chileans and you right. know you got all so who knows where the kids where their genes are that's no longer just you can't pinpoint it and then now we've got every food known to man available all the time not even seasonally but all the time you can eat a mango like you said a mango that may not be a good mango but it's still a mango right anytime you want I know and it's tricky how do you figure out what to eat I know, I know, it's tricky. So, like, you and I are on the same wavelength about this. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, uh, um, to, you know, put this all, you know, you know, into, as you said, what are your best dietary choices? And this is where some of these newer, you know, have you heard of some of these genetic testings, like with 23andMe? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it's, it might be valuable in some people's, instances to get your genetic profiling done because if you find out that you're like in my case i had my genetics done and yeah i had a lot of mediterranean genes a romanian believe it or not a little bit and then i could see that yeah my dark coloring and exactly stuff. yeah and then a little bit of northern african yeah so you know but it, my, the german i have a german grandmother on one side so i'm three quarters greek so apparently that they say Right. But mm-hmm. as you said, there's probably, there was probably some intermarriage to Romania. Um, so yeah, I'm good on the Mediterranean diet. But, you know, I had a couple of other patients show me their profiling and they had, you know, a lot of Scottish and, you know, Irish and this and that. And I'm like, well, you know what? You, your, your genes are different. You should be having the cold water fish. You need some haggis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Go get some Guinness. Yeah. Some Guinness. That's exactly right. Yeah. Some Guinness. More palatable than haggis. That's for right. sure. Well, you know, I mean, the whole, we don't have to get into beer on this show, but you know, those old, old brews oh, that they made in the old days. food. They were medicinal. Absolutely. Totally loaded with herbs and all kinds of things. All the old liqueurs with all those flavorings, they were all medicine. It's not. Yep. And honey. Yep. Honey. Like mead was a honey-based thing. It was was medicinal. Absolutely. Yeah. And nutritional. Right. I just saw an article recently talking about the iron levels in Guinness, the the, Mm. the beer. And the fur, the, the, Bacteria, the yeasts that are fermenting, release tons of nutrition. They process the sugars and put out nutrition. So, yep. you know, in, in some ways, the older diets weren't – even when they used sugars, the sugars were fermented often. And so you weren't eating sugars directly. You were feeding the bacteria. Yes, totally. Right? Very much so. And like like uh, there's a great book called Nourishing Traditions. Oh, it's the best. 
Don't you love it? Sally yep. Fallon. Yep. So I raised my kids on that diet, thank God. And so, you know, one of the pieces in there that I still try to teach my patients is with grains. I'm like, you know what? You just can't throw the grain in the water and get going with it. It's you've got to, you've got to, you have to do a starter. Do you remember how Sally Fallon would point out that you'd have to put a little yogurt or kefir mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or something, and then you'd put the oats or the groats or the millet or something, and you'd let it sit overnight and start to actually ferment, like you just said? Absolutely, yep. And then it starts breaking the enzyme structure down earlier, and then when you then drain it off the next day and then cook it, you've... Uh, already started releasing proteins so that your body can assimilate them so much easier and you don't develop gluten and gluten intolerances. Exactly. The same. And, and you're soaking out the, some of the anti-nutrients like the phytates that block mm-hmm. the absorption of minerals. This, it's, it's funny because we've lost that common sense. I mean, that's really what nourishing tradition is all about. It says, like, Hey, wake up. You know, quick oats isn't the same as oats. But so many of those foods in the in the grocery stores aren't what they used to be. No. Milk isn't milk. Peanut butter isn't peanut butter. I mean, mm-hmm. you just go down the list. Everything has been enhanced for for palatability, right. for shelf storage. And you know, unless you're like you and you're up in the hills and growing your own food or going to the farmer's market and buying from somebody you know how they're growing and they're not just buying it from, from some big store. Because that's the other thing. Some of those farmer's market peoples aren't farmers. So you need, right. to, you need to know the person. Ask them about their soil. If they can't ask answer you about their soil, they're not a farmer. Very true. Because a farmer will talk about their soil for hours. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. And yeah, so, you know, I, I often say go back a hundred years and think about, you know, what the, your generations before in that place, case was my grandparents, what they would have been eating and they wouldn't have been having sugar. That was a luxury item that only the very wealthy had, you know. And they ate a lot more vegetables and legumes and, you know, again, you know, meat was there, but it wasn't a a daily staple, you know, maybe, and honestly, they made a lot of soups, you know? Yeah. And where we'll get into the bone broths, which so many people now know as you're trying to recover from Lyme or an autoimmune illness, when your body is so depleted and, You've lost so much magnesium and so many vitamins and your mitochondria are not running well. Uh, you can't even really bring in those nutrients to those parts of the cells because they're just being used for, you know, basic survival of keeping the heart going and things. So that's why these bone broths and slow, slow cooked food really are so important when you're ill and recovering. Now, you're still treating patients a few days a week. Mm-hmm. And you told me off air before we got going that they're all, that they're almost exclusively Lyme patients that you're seeing these days. And what, what, I don't want to say trends because this isn't a fad, but where are you headed with your treatment? 
ideas? Like, where where are you currently? Because this, in my mind, the, treating Lyme disease is a evolving thing. Like, nobody's got it figured out yet. Nobody has the answer. Uh, but we're getting closer and closer and more and more effective. So where, you know, you see so many patients. Mm. Where are you with your practice? Yeah, so, um, you know, so... We could do a whole nother episode, really, and talk about homeopathic okay. medicine, which we will, but I'm just going to mention it. I'd love to do that with you, Okay, Mikhail, well, because, let's definitely do that. Because homeopathic medicine is fascinating, and it's different than naturopathic medicine, which people get it mixed up with. Naturopaths use nutrition, diet, supplements, herbs, and some things like hydrotherapy, it's acupuncture, et cetera, but homeopathy is a different discipline. So anyway, what I'm, what I'm seeing a lot of that works, right? We want to know what works. Yeah. So usually what happens for, in my case, people that get to me are pretty much have seen like 15 doctors. They've been sick for quite some time. Occasionally though, like yesterday I had a, a beautiful young 17 year old that's been in just, she's been sick a year and a half. And of course the line was not picked up the first six months. So, um, she is on antibiotic therapy. Um, and you know, and I think in these cases that are less than 18 months or two years old, the antibiotics still are effective because when the organism is still in the bloodstream, you can kill off some of it, you know, it's just that when it moves its way into the tissues and the organs and the glands, antibiotics are not as therapeutic. So aside from a case like that, you know, the cases that are three and six and 14 years old, what I'm finding that works is, um, as I said before, is number one, I open all the cases up with my homeopathic uh, formulas for organ cleansing because I want to get that liver cleansing and start cleaning out the bloodstream. And I, I also use things like activated charcoal, which is a good binding agent, you know, to soak up toxins. And it's great at soaking up the ammonia that the organisms release because, you know, they're living in there like it's a little terrarium for them, you know. They're just like, our body's like a little ecosystem for them with the skin as the outer layer and then this fertile habitat inside. Yeah, they're protected. Yeah, they're protected and they're happy in there. They're like, hey, look at this ecosystem we've got and we can eat these fatty acids and we can eat these sugars and, and then they start releasing, you know, endotoxins. A big one is ammonia. So I, I use activated charcoal to soak up that ammonia. And then, um, Dr. Jernigan, David Jernigan at Hansa mm-hmm. Health Center, he's got yep. some great formulas and he has some great detox compounds that use the compass plant, which is another one for soaking up these toxins. And then I, and I love milk thistle. Milk thistle really is just a very beautiful old fashioned herb. It's a great job of cleaning out the liver. So I, I get these going. I have my kidney formulas that I put people on the homeopathics and get the kidneys to start cleaning out the, the intracellular fluids that are so, um, you know, so bogged down. And then the biggie is the, well, liver is biggie too, but the, the whole lymphatic and spleen, uh, that is like a huge deal with Lyme and autoimmune illnesses because people have been stagnant, you know, and the lymphatics only work when, when you're circulating and, and actually the best with is reverse is gravity, you know, reversing gravity. 
So um, I have them give lymphatic massages, do a little bit of um, slant boarding, which is an old-fashioned technique. I detail all this, by the way, in that my new book, Autoimmune Illness and Lyme Disease Recovery Guide. All these steps are in there. So I get that lymphatic system going because that's a, that's, a, that's what all the brain fog is and the dead blood, white blood cells are going over to the spleen. That's the graveyard, but the poor lymphatic system and the spleen are so bogged down. So we get those systems cleansing. And then about six weeks or so in, I see how people are doing. I also give them some homeopathic remedies specific to what their symptomology is. is are there a lot of joint pains? Or do they have crippling headaches? Or do they have pericarditis and, you know, pericardian pain? So I, I'll prescribe a homeopathic remedy according to what we call the clinical picture. Get them going, you know, we get going six weeks or so. And then I'm um, usually collaborating with a naturopath or an integrative medicine doc or whoever they've got available to them so we can get some metabolic profile testing done. And so what I do you like s- to test? Oh, I like to test a lot. I like to see what's going on specific, specifically with the adrenal glands and the cortisol cycles and the steroid levels and the inflammation levels, like homocysteine levels and things, because that's where a lot of the pain is, is if, if you don't have enough natural corticosteroids and your adrenals are bottomed out and you're so we get that that done, and we check the GI tract, and we look for all the good bugs and the bad bugs, you know, mm-hmm. good the flora. Um, I'll we'll run tests for neurotransmitters and see what's going on with the brain chemistry because again, amino acids and essential fatty acids are usually extremely depleted, extremely depleted, and that's where the neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, GABA. Um, uh, norepinephrine, all of those, they can be all askew. And if, if you don't have enough serotonin, you, you're, you just are exhausted and you're dis- despairing and depressed. And if you have too much norepinephrine or epinephrine, that's when the anxiety is running out of control, which often happens with Bartonella, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I like to, oh, real-time labs we use to find out what your mold burden is. A lot of people have been exposed to toxic mold and they didn't even know it. It could have been like 15 years ago and it's like a setup, you yeah. know? For- M- molds like Lyme disease part uh, two, the sequel, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And I like also to get some viral testing done and find out if we've got cytomegaly or Epstein-Barr or C. pneumonia or Coxsackie virus. Or- so anyway, there's a lot of, you know, pieces that we can find out on what's burdening the system and then where these depletions are. And so it's a huge piece now that we'll work on for months, McKay. It's not like a quick turnaround. We're looking at months and sometimes, you know, year, two years of rebuilding and, uh, you know, rebuilding the mitochondria function, getting the adrenals strong again, check out the pituitary and the thymus and the immune regulators and, there's so much good stuff that can be done. I mean, I, I just, you know, I want to be encouraging. I, 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 you know, I see it all the time. Uh, people that have been, you know, sick for 18 years, 14 years, they're like, Katina, oh my God. I mean, I can't believe it. Like two months now. And I'm like, I'm, my head's so much clearer or, you know, I've done things I haven't done in a long time or my pain's less. And 
So, you know, I'm seeing the progress, which is great. And then, you know, I favor the antimicrobial herbs and I, I have within the discipline of homeopathy, I have something called homeopathic nozodes, which is why I said we should do a different show on homeopathy. And, um, these are basically Bortonella, Borrelia, Ehrlichia, whatever, and homeopathic dilution. Because, you know, homeopathies likes, treat likes. Mm-hmm. The whole vaccination shot and allergy shot principle was taken from homeopathy, where we give these infinitesimal diluted down doses of something and introduce it to the body and stimulate the body on the inside to make antibodies. Right. So... I'm just giving it a quick brush stroke with you right now, but uh, when I'm working with these cases that are long term, at I come in at some point depending on their progress. We come in with the homeopathic nozodes, so then we can make antibodies on the inside, which is not nearly as um, loaded with side effects as taking the antibiotic pharmaceuticals. So. Anyway, they're making beautiful strides. Um, you know, it requires patience and dedication. And I, as I said, with like my new, one of my new clients yesterday, I'm like, make a chart, put it on your computer, print it out every week. We you check off, you know, your supplements, your whatever you're doing. I, it's complex. It's multifaceted. It's not just take these things in the morning and you're good for the day. You're. Right you know, three, four times a day doing things and, you know, bentonite clay or, you know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of, but, but, but they make progress. And I happen to say, I've got the great good fortune of teaching two workshops this coming year, one in May at the Art of Living uh, Center in Boone, North Carolina, and another one up at the Rowe Institute in the Berkshires with World famous Dr. Jody Dashor, uh, we're teaching together four day workshops on Lyme disease and autoimmune recovery. And she is a neurologist and an integrative medicine doctor that was Dr. Charles Raymond Jones' right hand doctor for 15 years. Now, She's, excuse my ignorance, who is, who's Dr. Jones? Oh, he's he the very famous pediatrician out of Yale that, um, he's close to 90 now that, that has had was for decades saving tens of thousands of children's lives with long-term antibiotics when they were having seizures and going into paralysis and all through the 80s and 90s and and the last 10 15 years they tried to put him in jail three times oh my god he's a genius and um he's not an integrative medicine doc but he's saved he's saved hundreds of thousands of children's lives and so I'm honored that Dr. Dashur and I will be teaching because we're going to have the best of Western medicine and natural medicine together in these recovery programs. So check my website, katinamacris.com and follow me on Facebook because um, we'll be announcing dates and locations. But Dr. Dashur is really, because she's a neurologist, she's got fabulous results with Lyme-affiliated autism MS, Parkinson's, uh, you know, all of this. She's, she's, this is going to be exciting. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fabulous. It's like, Very I want to go. <laughs> you got to come. You got to come. The I one of the Berkshires one of is going to be in October and that's not far for you. Okay. That's doable. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, I want to be, you know, tell you that, that I do sense, you know, and I'm going to learn more when I get to Germany with my book, right? Yeah. Germany, Czech Republic, Switzerland, some of the strongest treatment programs are coming out of there. The, the Czech Republic has some great up immuno uptake regulators that they have developed that are, are getting the immune system back into proper gear again. And so I'm very excited to learn um, when I get overseas because Dr. Klinghart uses some of these formulas. Um, I want to find out more from them because, you know, basically what happens is this infection gets in there and it just, it causes such damage in so many systems and we've got to get the systems going again. And, and then, the, you know, the, the, probably the final piece to note is why is it that approximately 15% of the population that get infected with the organisms get completely trashed the way I did and my son did. And, you know, another 50% will get mildly ill and, and be uncomfortable and have symptomology and have fibromyalgia or MS type stuff or bowel or chronic, stuff. Yeah. All that we stuff. have bowel stuff yeah. and migraines, but and they get around. I yep. mean, they're not doing great, but they kind of make it to the office and then they come home and they crash when they don't feel good and they can't really do any. Extra, and then there's a small sector that can get infected, and they don't even really get many symptoms at all. At they all, just right. get maybe, hey, they had a little a little headache for a day or two. So that brings us into that whole field of genetic testing, which I think is now yeah, fascinating. Absolutely, you know, I ran into a chiropractor, uh, Syracuse, which is about uh, thirty miles away, and, yeah, and he has been bit five times with a bullseye rash and he is symptom free period no yeah. anything no little sickness no nothing the, the, yeah. his symptom was a rash and that was it he is yeah. immune there's no doubt about it yeah the, i've met i've met people like that too you got to get his blood <laughs> i've met people like that too and you know it's just like i've never had pneumonia or strep right. or yep. bronchitis so like i have a, obviously a very strong respiratory system or you know what i mean so mm-hmm. Some people are not so susceptible to the bloodborne illnesses, infections. Like I did have my genetic testing done and I have a double mutation flaw on the bloodborne infections. And yes, I had malaria as a teenager. Huh. Yes, I had dengue fever. No kidding. I've had Lyme and all the other bugaboos in there. And so I probably would get Zika. Yeah. Yeah. But I did learn something. This is a little tidbit about Zika. The trace mineral, mineral selenium, mm. which is so – that's another thing, too, that I often find with um, with love, Lyme patients. Love low, my Brazil nuts. <laughs> low selenium, yes. Yeah. So, but uh, 300 micrograms of selenium a day if you're in Zika territory to prevent it. Since we're going out – since we're throwing those out, the other, uh, other big one is zinc. Zinc, yes. It's huge. Huge. It's 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 we're it's an epidemic. Epidemic. Yeah, okay. So here's here's my closing thought. I wanted to okay. get this in there because this is something I'm excited about. I want to share it to you. So here. it's just in here. the cancer world, there's some of the people now who are saying cancer. So all the genetics, you know, we're trying to track down the genetics of cancer. They're saying no, 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 no. You've got the cart before the horse. What happens is the the cancer cells get starved metabolically at the mitochondrial level, and then they start mutating genetically to try to survive. Mm. So. 
so then you have these cancer cells that don't play well with their neighbors. What, what if that's part of the autoimmune process? What if those, the uh, immune system cells, the macrophages, so forth mm. and so on, are starved metabolically and then they start mutating and not behaving properly? Maybe, yeah. maybe that's part of it. Yes, I, I, I hear you. And I think that could be very, very true because we've talked a lot about this has all been happening in the past 40 years or so. And that's when there is this big, huge chain, a change in the food chain, right? Yep. After World War II, when they started hydrogenated oils and being able to keep food stuff on the shelves that they couldn't before. I mean, you only could go to a local baker in the 1940s or early 50s, right? That's right. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it brings up that point that we were talking about before. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. And, you know, the other thing, too, they've discovered, I know you and I could go on forever, is that um, pH levels are essential. Like, you know, we're supposed to be a pH 6.8 or 7.0 for health and wellness. But when your pH gets down below 6.5 and it's at 6.2 and 6.3. You're really sick. Total fertile ground for all these organisms to, like, multiply in droves. And below 6.0 is like the cancer zone. Yeah. The cancers grow rampantly. So the whole alkalinization of, you know, all, is so essential with, as we said, all the good vegetables, the root vegetables in winter, the greens in the spring, the, you know, it's, it's, oh my gosh. I mean, that's it. That's a huge piece of it at all is, is the whole dietary piece and and how uh you maintain your lifestyle like high stress makes a low ph as for meditation and reflection and exercise and endorphins help your ph stay up in the 6.7.0 range katina thank yeah. you for your wisdom thank you for your time and Please leave people with your website address and how to get hold of you to keep up on everything you're doing. And if they want to get hold of you and go to these wonderful workshops and seek you out as a practitioner. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much, McKay, for having me on. It's always so much of a joy to speak with you uh, and and share our insights and our passion for helping others. Uh, We're both really cut from the same cloth um, in this way. So, Yes, um, my website is katinamacris.com. Katina is with a K, K-A-T-I-N-A. Macris is M-A-K-R-I-S dot com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. And um, my my books, if you just go to Amazon, you'll find them. But they're also available in all, all stores around the country and in libraries. So um, you can find them readily and um, the workshops too will be listed on my website and uh, on, on social media as well. So I hope to meet many of you um, come see me out on the road. I do events all the time and I love connecting with people and, and helping you find your next step in your journey to recovery because you can overcome this illness. It's not a life sentence you can rebuild the damages and depletions. You can reclaim your spirit and you can birth and create something new in your life that's really pretty fabulous. So I want to give you hope 
And I also am planning, uh, McKay, to be announced. I'm going to probably start a whole webinar series on the spiritual side of this illness and how to work on the inside, like I mentioned. So I'll keep people posted as that comes. Absolutely fabulous. Yes, thank you again. I had a beautiful time with you. You're welcome. We'll catch up and I'll schedule the interview for the homeopathic one. We're excited about that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I hope you learned a lot. This was a great interview. And one of the things that I really cottoned on to um, was something that I actually mentioned right at the beginning was that Lyme disease is multifaceted and complex. And Katina really spoke to the fact that because Lyme disease is multifaceted and complex, it means that your recovery is going to be multifaceted and complex. I cotton you, Aurora. <laughs> Where did you pick up cotton from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I Somehow under- living in Maryland, I picked that up. <laughs> really? That's a while ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a joy to speak with Katina. She has such a wealth of knowledge from writing her books from her background as a classical homeopath and as somebody who has worked their way through the different stages of healing with Lyme disease. I mean, her journey probably is ongoing like most people's, but she's mostly out of the woods. It's just a pleasure to speak with her. And I went back to look, we interviewed her a while ago, and I didn't realize how long ago it really was, is all the way back at episode number 51. Yeah. yeah so that would be in our first year. So Yeah, it I was mean, in our first year. Yeah, so we're, we're at number 127 now, so I thought it was only a couple months ago, but time flies when you're on Lion Ninja <laughs> Radio. Hopefully it doesn't stand still. Well, maybe stand still is in a good way, but anyway. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, no. Her first episode, her first interview with us was episode fifty-one. So, if anybody wants to listen to that, yes, it's also a fascinating interview. She was at that time talking about her. Oh, good grief! Was it a new book at that point? Was it one of her? Yeah, books? it was her. It was it was her tour at that point. Her I book think tour. she's just starting on her t- book tour. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. And that was her second book. It wasn't Out of the Woods. It was the second book about Lyme and autoimmune disease. So mm-hmm. Be sure to check that one out. In episode 51, we'll have a link for that at the, excuse me, at the show notes. So just go to LymeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see this week's episode, number 127 with Katina. And if you click on that, you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the link to episode number 51. <laughs> Also, if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you'd support our efforts by subscribing. Go on to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see the subscribe button under the featured episode. Yes, and this week we have a special shout out to Lillian. Thank you, Lillian, for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. And thank you, Aurora, for your help this week putting the show together. And lastly, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know a ninja can surf on lava? Lime 
Young Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.